if you asked for a signing bonus in the context of asking a bunch of intelligent questions and showing all the ways you're going to add value for a particular practice, it's going to be much more credible. And you're going to communicate it with much more confidence than if you just are saying, hey, and I'd like an extra 50 grand. Is that okay with you? Would that work? And there's just a total difference in terms of tone. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of APM Success. Coming to you live and fully caffeinated from our global headquarters in Portland, Oregon. Today, I want to talk about the merits of always getting more than one job offer. And today is a second in a two-part series about how to optimize job changes. So make sure if you missed it that you catch last week's episode, a discussion on signing bonuses and how to get one, how to optimize for it, and key mistakes to avoid. Also, if you have negotiated a signing bonus and that has worked for you, drop me a line to let me know how it went. I always love hearing folks' success stories, and I'm always looking for new ideas for how to help my clients and also to share with the community of listeners for this show. Justin at apmsuccess.com would love to hear from you. Today, I'm going to discuss why you should always get more than one job offer. This is where we get into judicious negotiating strategies, building confidence when communicating, and gathering data to support job offer asks. So I have a handful of key considerations here, and I want to walk through them one by one. The bottom line, though, is the more data you're exposed to, the more opportunities you see, the more practices you look under the hood of, the better off you're going to be, no matter what, no matter which job you end up taking or, you know, whether or not your negotiations are successful, you're always better off when you become better informed. As we've discussed on the past in this show, the medical education system doesn't do a great job. In fact, is in some cases inversely interested, (laughs) educating its constituents on this topic. So last I checked, you probably don't have a rotation in your residency or fellowship on practice management or contract negotiation, even though those things are arguably some of the most important in terms of your career success over the long term. So today I'm going to try to close that information gap as much as possible. The first thing that I recommend that you consider in terms of getting more than one job offer and the benefits that it may have for you is communication The the way that you communicate with prospective employers is advertising. Communication is advertising. And when I say advertising, I'm of course talking about the way that you advertise yourself, your own skills, who you are, the way you think, the way you see the world. By securing multiple job offers, you demonstrate your ability to think strategically and to showcase your value in the job market. You show yourself to be a leader. You show yourself as someone to be taken seriously. And you'll also be armed with better questions to ask as you learn about other practices, other models, other sites of service, etc. Asking intelligent questions in a job setting is one of the best ways to set yourself apart in a job interview. And gathering multiple offers will equip you to do this well. And I want to encourage you, like the more of these that you do, the more informational or formal interviews that you have, don't be afraid to ask the dumb questions because you're only going to have to ask them once. (laughs) And then you're going to advance to better questions because you're going to learn the basics. But if you never ask the dumb questions, then you're always going to be stuck being afraid to look dumb. And then you're only going to have one interview for that one job that you really, really need. And you're not going to know the answers to, well, how does call pay work? And 
is call incentivized? And what are the implications of call incentive on the culture and on the work-life balance of the physicians practicing here? You're never going to know the answers to any of that because you never asked it at the job interview that you cared way less about. And as a result, you're going to be significantly disadvantaged. And you're going to communicate like somebody who is uncertain, like somebody who's deer caught in the headlights. And that's going to have real-world implications for you. Practices, when they're interviewing candidates, are often thinking, what team member is going to be well-suited to train others to think about business, to think about contracts, to think about the marketplace dynamics that are impacting the future of our specialty? Who else understands the job market and is going to be part of recruiting? And talking to multiple practices and seeking multiple job offers can be a huge help with this. It changes the way you communicate about yourself and you advertise favorably for yourself. The second benefit of cultivating multiple job offers is it will give you confidence and credibility in the way that you communicate. This is an objective benefit to having a fallback plan. Namely, if things don't work out with the current opportunity, you can always pursue that other plan. But the secondary benefit, and the one I want to talk about now, is vetting multiple offers changes the way that you communicate. As I just established, communication is advertising about the quality of the candidate. And if you communicate with confidence and directness, and you show that you apprehend the important factors at play in a particular job offer, in a particular practice setting, because you've just had a lot of these conversations, and you, in that context, you're going to be seen to be very credible. You're going to be seen as a serious professional, not only clinically, but also from a business and negotiation and contract standpoint. You're going to be seen as a leader. You can say, here's my offer, take it or leave it for a prospective job, and you can mean it. <laughs> and that, when received by your prospective employer, is going to be taken seriously. It's easier to communicate something honestly with passion and directness than it is to communicate in that way and have it be a bluff and hope that it sticks. <laughs> this is true when you're asking for a signing bonus, like we talked about last week. If you ask for a signing bonus in the context of asking a bunch of intelligent questions and showing all the ways you're going to add value for a particular practice, it's going to be much more credible. And you're going to communicate it with much more confidence than if you just are saying, hey, and I'd like an extra 50 grand. Is that okay with you? Would that work? And there's just a total difference in terms of tone. This increased confidence is going to really result in more dollars in your checking account. And that confidence is going to be built through among other ways, just having a lot of conversations with other prospective employers. A third consideration, a third reason to cultivate multiple job opportunities is it's going to give you insight into diverse care models. As you explore different job offers, as you look under the hood of different practices, you're going to get to see how they operate. And you're going to understand, is this, are you direct providing? Is this two to one oversight? Is this four to one? Is this eight to one? What are the implications for that? clinically and in terms of work-life balance? How does call shift scheduling work? How is the contract structured? What is the practice culture like? And I would encourage you as you're having these conversations with prospective employers to not only talk to the hiring manager or the president of the group, but also say like how many of your other physician people, employees are willing to talk to me and then have coffee with them and say, what do you like? What do you hate? What do you wish was different? And get their boots on the ground input. By understanding these differences amongst different practices, the way that they differ from one another in these areas, you can ask better questions and make more informed decisions about which environment is best going to suit you and your preferences and your career goals. The fourth consideration in terms of reasons to solicit multiple job offers is perhaps the most obvious, it has to do with the negotiating power that comes from having multiple options. 
your bargaining position is at its strongest when your options are at their highest, the number of quality options, that is. And you'll have something, the strongest possible, BATNA, B-A-T-N-A. This is an acronym used in like (laughs) hostage negotiation situations primarily, but uh, has come downstream into the business world. The best alternative to a negotiated agreement. In other words, if you don't get this job, or if this offer or counter offer is not accepted by your prospective employer, objectively, what is the next best thing you may be able to do? You'll have a better understanding of industry standards and can use competing offers to leverage better compensation packages, more flexible schedules, et cetera. And you're never going to have a BATNA, let alone a good one, unless you have a number of conversations about employment. So the reason that this can be powerful is because it gives credibility in your conversation. If you ask for another $50,000 in terms of a signing bonus, if if your employer knows that they're the only game in town, or that you're not cultivating other offers, or that you haven't looked at any other practices, they know that they really don't need to get you, give you what you're asking for, because your BATNA is weak or non-existent. But if they know that you've been courting three other practices, and you're asking questions about their practice in relation to others' practices, and their operations, and their scheduling, and their call, and their, and their, and their, then they're going to know that your BATNA is probably pretty darn good. And they're going to have to pony up if they want to secure your talent for their team. So cultivating those, the best possible BATNA, it's a great way to get the best possible outcome. The fifth and final item I want to address, why it makes sense to have as many conversations as possible in the pro- in the context of looking for new work is perhaps one of the biggest shortcomings of the medical education system as it relates to careers. And it has to do with expanding your network. This is one of those things that folks in the business community, like me, get beat into them (laughs) from day one, from that first day of undergrad as like an 18 year old. It's just in in the culture of business is you go to these networking events and these happy hours and these job fairs. And it's very common from a very early age to intentionally cultivate relationships with other people in order to transact out there in the world. Not everything that gets ingrained in business people ultimately is shown to be useful. But one thing that business folks get that medical folks largely don't is this. We have this this phrase, the saying, your network is your net worth. Meaning the more people you know, and the more diverse the skill sets of people that you know, the more valuable those relationships can be. Sure, resident and fellow physicians may have some limited opportunities at conferences or things to go to a happy hour or talk to this or that practice or fellowship program directors, maybe one or two times a year if you're lucky. In my opinion, this is inadequate to build a network for your ultimate use in securing a job. And also, by the way, in paying this forward to other people who are looking for the same types of opportunities. I would suggest that every resident or every fellow out there Have a goal to set up informational interviews during training, on your post-call days, on your weekends, get coffee, get lunch with as many other physicians as will talk to you in as many other practice settings as possible. Get coffee with your old chief from when you were a CA1 and ask about their practice. Ask your department chair who they know in private practice that would be willing to get lunch with you and just share their experience and ask them the dumb questions that you're afraid to ask in a job interview. And... When you're looking at prospective jobs, 
try to create not just with the hiring manager and not just with the president of the group, not just with the department chair, try to create three to five touch points within a practice, within a department, and learn everything you possibly can. Whenever you're talking to that department chair, ask them, do you have three other physicians who have been here for a little while who would be willing to speak with me about their experience? This is hugely beneficial. As you do this, your exposure to all this data that they're going to present, to all the perspective that they're going to bring to you will massively enhance your understanding and leverage when you're looking for jobs in the future. And also, if you do this in conjunction with a nice follow-up handwritten note and a reciprocal offer to pay it forward, either to this person directly or to friends of theirs, then you're going to make new friends along the way. So if during training every month or every quarter you do this once or twice, you're collecting a bunch of advocates and you're also holding yourself out as a resource for this network and your net worth in this area grows. Then the next time you make a job switch, instead of you know coming in cold and especially if out of training you're working at the exact same place where you trained and then you wanna go to a private practice, oh my gosh, you might not even know anybody in private practice. That is a tall order to land on your feet, and you're probably going to take a couple swings and misses before you find a good fit. Whereas, if you've got a few dozen friends in half a dozen different practices that can help you find a good place to land, because of your intentionality in cultivating these relationships, you're going to be much better off. This is a way of life, this network building that needs to be cultivated and should start as early as possible. But seeking multiple job offers whenever you're ready to make a switch, is one way of having a natural opportunity to build a network, to have people who become your advocates, who become your friends, and who can provide insight that you desperately need and to whom you can be a resource. That's really a, a beautiful thing and something that I think many physicians would benefit from. So that's all I've got for this week. If you have friends who are interviewing and trying to think about how to approach it, send them this episode as a way to arm them for what lies ahead. Thanks as always for listening. I'll catch you next week. If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com, where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.